Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. And we're going to look at how we are so blessed today. Now, this is a good day for you to learn how to say amen. Because you cannot say it at the wrong time today, I promise you. When we're talking about how blessed you are, would you, out of respect for God's Word, would you stand while I read it, and then we'll pray, and you may be seated after that. Verse 4 says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask you, first we thank you. Then we ask you to remind us today of how blessed we are as your people. We pray for those that don't know Jesus. We pray for those that may need to come to him. Lord, may they see the love that you have for them and be drawn to you through your great love and mercy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A woman was at work when she received a phone call that her daughter was very sick with a fever. She left her work and stopped by the pharmacy to get some medication for her daughter, and when she returned to her car, she realized she had locked her keys in the car. And she was in a hurry to get home to her sick daughter, and she didn't know what to do. So she called home and told the babysitter what had happened, that she did not know what to do. And the babysitter told her that her daughter was getting worse. And she said, you might find a coat hanger and use it to open the car door. Well, the woman looked around, and sure enough, laying on on the parking lot was an old rusty coat hanger that somebody else must have used to try to get into their car at some time. She picked it up, and she looked at the hanger, and she didn't know what to do. She said, I don't know how to use this. So, so she bowed her head, and she said, God, would you please send me some help? Well, then about five minutes, an old rusty car pulled up with a dirty, greasy, bearded man who was wearing an old biker skull rag on his head. The woman thought, God, this is what you sent me? But she was desperate, so she was also thankful. And the man got out of his car and actually looked at her and said, Ma'am, is there something I can do for you? And she said, Yes. My daughter's very sick. I stopped to get her some medication. I've locked my keys in my car, and I've got to get her home. Can you help me use this hanger to get my car unlocked? Sure. He walked over to the car, and in about 30 seconds, he had that door unlocked. She ran over to him, and she hugged him, and through her tears, she said, thank you so much. You're such a very nice man. And the man said, lady, I'm not a nice man. I just got out of prison today. 
I was in prison for car theft. <laughs> and I've only been out for about an hour. And the woman hugged her again and through her tears, she said, oh, God, thank you so much. You even sent me a professional. <laughs> Sometimes we overlook the blessings, the little blessings of life. And most of the time when we think, well, we're so blessed or God blesses us, today a lot of people equate that with financial blessings. But folks, I want to tell you, God blesses you much more than financially. Because sometimes people aren't blessed financially. Sometimes it's hard. But that doesn't mean God hasn't blessed you. Some of you remember Jim and Tammy Faye Baker many years ago when they, they defrauded a lot, millions of dollars from followers. And, and Jim Baker actually went to prison. He was a televangelist, and, and, and they, he actually went to prison. But I want you to listen to what he wrote later. He said, there is no way if you take the whole counsel of God's word that you can equate riches or material things as a sign of God's blessing. He'd come 180 degrees. Well, folks, today I want us to talk about our blessings. This letter was written to Corinth, the church at Corinth. It was a troubled church. I mean, if you were looking for a church without any problems, you wouldn't go to Corinth, that's for sure. It had all kinds of internal problems, and yet even in the midst of that, Paul begins by saying, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Now, you would think, man, I, I, I don't even want to think about the church at Corinth. It's just so full of problems. But yet Paul realized that even those people who'd come out of paganism, who had difficulty in their church, and they were, there was all kinds of issues. They were divided. There was immorality. That Some of them were suing one another. They were still offering stuff to pagan, to idols. I mean, it was a troubled church. But he begins by reminding them of how blessed they are. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I thank my God concerning you. It's I thank my God always. Now, Paul was in the habit of praying for people. And, and when he said always, it, it's indicative that it was a habitual thing. It means that he regularly, habitually prayed for them. It could also say that he repeatedly prayed for them. And he never forgot them. And the passive verb in this section shows that he's really praising God for what he's done in these people's lives. It's not what they've done themselves. It's what God has done in their lives that he begins to praise God for. Folks, do you ever think about praying for people that you may think are a lot of trouble and maybe they're not worth much in the kingdom of God? Paul's praying for a church here that was full of problems. Now, what has God done? In fact, Paul, the, the way it's written, he's thanking God for what he has done for these people. And we can thank God for what he has done for you and me. But let's notice what he has done. First, notice the blessings that have been provided. In verse 4, he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. And verse 7 says, so that you come short in no gift. 
I thank God always concerning you for. The word for indicates the cause of his thankfulness. What is he thanking God for? He, he's thanking them for several things. And by the way, did you know the name of Jesus is mentioned 10 times in the first 10 verses in 1 Corinthians, which tells you something. He wants their minds to be on Jesus. He wants them to focus on Jesus Christ and what he has done for them. And folks, when we come in here and we've been singing songs praising the Lord for what he has done, you need to remember that the blessings come from the Lord Jesus. They come from him to you. And so we're going to focus on that. Notice some of the blessings mentioned. First is our salvation in Christ. He says, I thank God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Grace. That was a favorite word of Paul's and all of his letters that he wrote. And he wrote the majority in the New Testament under the inspiration of God he uses the word grace 116 times. You think he remembers the grace that was shown him on the road to Damascus when he had hated Christians so much that he held the coats of those that stoned Stephen. He hated Christians. He hated them. And yet on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him and he experienced the grace of God. Some people have written to, or have said that grace is an acrostic for God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God giving you another chance. Grace is God giving you a third chance. Grace is God giving you a fourth chance. And on and on and on. It's God not giving up on you. It's God giving you not what you deserve, but what you don't deserve. That's what grace is. And all of us have been saved by grace when we've come to Christ. You didn't earn it. I deserved eternity in hell I, because of my sin. I deserve to die and go to hell. I'd sinned against God just like you. I'm a sinner by nature or was, but in God's grace, God said, listen, David, I know you deserve to go to hell, but I'm going to take your punishment upon my son and instead of you going, I'm going to forgive your sins and give you eternal life. That's what grace is. See, the world doesn't treat you that way. The world writes you off, cuts you off as soon as you make one mistake. But God's grace doesn't cut you off after one mistake. Aren't you glad that he hadn't given up on you? That's what grace is. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. Pastor Paul Reese tells a true story that was told him by a nurse, a Christian nurse that was in his church where he was pastor. He said one, she said one night the police brought a woman to the emergency room and after the doctor's examination, he said, just leave her alone. She's going to die soon. Well, the Christian nurse who sat under the spiritual guidance of Paul Reese, Pastor Reese, chose not to leave the dying girl, but stayed by her bedside. And while she was standing there, the, the girl asked the nurse, does God care about someone like me? She went on to share with a Christian nurse about her sinful lifestyle, and the nurse told her about how God loved her so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for the sins of the world, and, who would look to Christ, and all who looked to Christ for forgiveness would receive grace and be forgiven. 
The nurse went on to share the story in John chapter 8 of the woman taken in adultery and they were about to stone her. And Jesus granted her forgiveness and a chance to leave her sinful lifestyle. And right then and there, that young lady accepted Christ. And not long after her acceptance of forgiveness, her life began to drift away. And as she went on to be with Jesus, the nurse said, as she looked upon the dying woman, there was a look on her face of confidence that she was about to hear, neither do I condemn you. Just like Jesus told the woman taken in adultery. Amen. Folks, when you and I get to heaven, there'll be three things that are going to surprise us. One will be to find people there that we did not expect to be there. The second thing is we're going to find that some people aren't there that we expected to be there. But the greatest wonder is going to be to find ourselves there. Because Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So, my friends, the first blessing that you have, if you've met Christ, if you've turned from your sin and asked God to forgive you, committed your life, is your salvation. Your greatest blessing is salvation. But not only that, you'll notice that through this salvation and through this grace, we have security from Christ. Now, don't miss verse 4. It says, was given to you. And in verse 6, it says, was confirmed in you. Both of those are aorist tense verbs. What that means is the tenses of verbs, a present tense verb means that the action's continuous. An aorist tense verb means it happens at a point in time, period. Put the, put the period there. A perfect tense verb means that it happens at a point in time, but the effects keep on going. Well, here it says that when you receive Christ, he gave you grace period. Nothing's going to take it away. You see, there's some things that don't mix with grace. Now, now stay with me here. Grace and guilt don't mix. She went on to share with a Christian nurse about her sinful lifestyle, and the nurse told her about how God loved her so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for the sins of the world, and, who would look to Christ, and all who looked to Christ for forgiveness would receive grace and be forgiven. The nurse went on to share the story in John chapter 8 of the woman taken in adultery, and they were about to stone her. And Jesus granted her forgiveness and a chance to leave her sinful lifestyle. And right then and there, that young lady accepted Christ. And not long after her acceptance of forgiveness, her life began to drift away. And as she went on to be with Jesus, the nurse said, as she looked upon the dying woman, there was a look on her face of confidence that she was about to hear Neither do I condemn you. Just like Jesus told the woman taken in adultery. Amen. Folks, when you and I get to heaven, there'll be three things that are going to surprise us. One will be to find people there that we did not expect to be there. <laughs> the second thing is we're going to find that some people aren't there that we expected to be there. But the greatest wonder is going to be to find ourselves there. 
Because Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So, my friends, the first blessing that you have, if you've met Christ, if you've turned from your sin and asked God to forgive you, committed your life, is your salvation. Your greatest blessing is salvation. But not only that, you'll notice that through this salvation and through this grace, we have security from Christ. Now, don't miss verse 4. It says, was given to you. And in verse 6, it says, was confirmed in you. Both of those are aorist tense verbs. What that means is the tenses of verbs, a present tense verb means that the action's continuous. An aorist tense verb means it happens at a point in time, period. Put the, put the period there. A perfect tense verb means that it happens at a point in time, but the effects keep on going. Well, here it says that when you receive Christ, he gave you grace period. Nothing's going to take it away. You see, there's some things that don't mix with grace. Now, now stay with me here. Grace and guilt don't mix. You're not guilty anymore. Some of you are worried about your sin. Man can, we and I cannot atone for our sin. We can't pay for our own sin. And so when Jesus forgave us, when God forgave us and Jesus cleansed us, it was done. There's no more guilt. You're not guilty anymore. The sin that separated you from God has been pardoned. It's been atoned for. It's been cleansed. It's been done away with. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs> the free gift of God is eternal life. When Jesus Christ became guilty for our sin, the p- price was paid for his death. And once God sovereignly acts in grace to forgive a person's sin because of their trust in him, that person is totally and forever free of the guilt of sin that condemns you. You no longer have to worry. When you stand before God, you are not guilty. Amen? We have security in him. Grace and human obligation do not mix. A lot of people say, well, now that I've been saved, I've got to pay God back. (laughs) Let me show you how ridiculous that is. What is our national debt? Twenty trillion. Well, here I'm going to start paying my, the debt back. Here's two cents. You and I can't even comprehend what a trillion is. You can't pay God back. You can't pay Him back. You couldn't pay the debt in the first place. He paid the debt. So what makes you think you can pay Him back? So why do you serve the Lord to pay Him back? No. You serve him because of the love you have for him, for what he's done for you. And, and, and another thing, human merit, it goes right along with this. Human merit and grace, does not they don't mix. Because it's, you are saved by grace alone. You are saved by faith through the grace of God. You trust him, you receive him, but you don't earn it. We're saved by God's mercy, not by our merit. 
We're saved by Christ dying, not by our doing. You see, it's, it's grace and, and it's none of that mix. And so when you think about grace, no wonder someone wrote a song, Amazing Grace. Because it is amazing. It's incredible. But your security, listen, your security is not in a church. Your security is not in a, a pastor. Your security is not even on your baptism. You see, baptism doesn't save you. It's an act of obedience that really proves that you've been saved because you're, you've, you're being obedient to the Lord and you're testifying publicly what he's done for you. But, but I want to tell you, your security only comes through Jesus Christ. Period. And that word confirmed in verse 6 even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. That word means to secure and to guarantee. It means to strengthen and sustain inwardly to bring a firmness in Christ-like character. It's also a legal term that refers to a guarantee that settles a transaction. Many times you make a hotel reservation, they give you a confirmation number confirms that you've got a reservation well I want to tell you Jesus Christ living in you has confirmed your salvation it's confirmed that you're his Christians have the witness of the spirit the Holy Spirit in us and the witness of his written word before us that proclaim the promises of God that means that God's going to keep his contract with you He's going to keep his covenant with you through Jesus Christ. Jesus said at the, the, the time, and it's recorded in, in uh, the Gospels, when they were having the Last Supper, as we call it, the communion, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood, the new contract. My blood's going to shed for you. My blood's going to be shed for you, and your sins will be forgiven, and God will honor that. He will fulfill his part of the partnership. He's got a hold of you. Now, you're going to groan when I tell you this story. After 20 years of shaving himself, a man decided he didn't want to shave anymore. I can see some of y'all are doing that too. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. He intended to let the local barber shave him each day. So he went down to the barber shop which was owned by the pastor of the town's Baptist church. And the barber's wife, which happened to be named Grace, shaved him. She shaved him and said, that'll be $20. He said, 20 bucks for a shave? He thought, man, thought it was a little high, but he paid the bill and he went to work. The next morning, he looked in the mirror and his face was still as smooth as if he'd shaved. So he didn't go. Two weeks later, the man was still unable to find any trace of whiskers on his face. So he went back to the barber shop and he said, you know, I thought $20 was high for a shave. The barber said, no, you were shaved by grace. <laughs> Once shaved, always shaved. <laughs> well, at least I got you to smile. But let me tell you. You are saved by grace, and once saved, you're always saved. 
Another blessing is our standing in Christ. It's in verse 6, the testimony that was confirmed in you. The martyrion is really a witness. Christ's witness was settled in us when we trusted him. At the moment and forever after that moment, we stand in God's grace. In verse 4, you see the offer of grace. In verse 6, you see the response. It's in you. He's in you. And the context indicates that the gospel itself is witnessed in you. People see Jesus in you. It's not just witnessing, that's important. We're supposed to speak, but the fact that you have the confirmation, the witness, the testimony of the Lord in your life, you stand in him. 2 Timothy 1.8 says that the testimony, Paul was told Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And John tells us that the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son, 1 John 5.11. The greatest testimony is not about the message of salvation, but it is the message of salvation in us. When we hear that a person's been saved, the testimony of Christ is in them, it's confirmed in them, the Holy Spirit lives in them. People notice, and his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're his children. So you see these blessings that have already been provided. You've been saved by grace. There's no more guilt. You are secure in Christ. He holds on to you. You don't hold on to him. And the, his testimony, his spirit, his witness is in you to the world. Not only have these been provided, but now he mentions some blessings that are present. Look at verse 5. That you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. And then in verse 7, it says, so that you come short in no gift. You'll notice several blessings you have right now. First of all, you... You have sufficiency from Christ. Our sufficiency is from him. The word enriched. It's the Greek word plutos. You, ever, you know what a plutocrat is? Probably not. A plutocrat is someone who's considered wealthy, someone who goes first class everywhere they go. Enriched is a, means here that you have been given something him. Your sufficiency is in him. You've been enriched in Christ. And the passive verb means that it came to you. God enriched you. You did not enrich yourself. The Corinthians always thought they were super spiritual, so they always thought that they had enriched themselves. But, but Paul is saying, no, you have been enriched. you enriched through Christ. We are enriched in everything in him. We've been given everything we need to live the Christian life. You don't have to get more of it later. There is no second blessing. There is no additional grace. It's all there. When you gave your life to Jesus, he gave you the full dose of salvation. In fact, one way to look at it is 2 Peter 1.3 says that God's divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Colossians 2.10, in Jesus Christ, we have been made complete. 1 Corinthians 3.21, all things belong to us. When a baby is born, I understand that sometimes there are some exceptions because of some, some problems, some healthy problems. But for the most part, 
When a baby is born, it's complete. It's a complete human. Because you don't go back to the doctor when it's time for them to walk and say, I need a pair of legs to put on them. No, they've already got their legs. They've already got their feet. They've got their arms. They've got their brain. When you, well, most of them have their brain. <laughs> All of us at times. There were times when I was a teenager, I wish I could have gone back and gotten a brain. <laughs> They're just underdeveloped. They have to grow. They have to mature. So we give them food and exercise. And, but you don't go back to add additional arms, legs, or organs well, as you grow in the Lord, as you feed on the Word of God and sit under the teaching of the Word of God and you exercise your spiritual muscle, so to speak, and you serve the Lord, you begin to mature. That's why Colossians 2.10 says, we have been made complete. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you're just partially a Christian. If you've been saved, you're complete. Maybe you've got some maturing to do and some developing to do, but you don't have to get more saved than you've ever been right now. You're complete in him. Another blessing is our speaking about Christ. He says, you've been given, enriched in everything in all utterance or speech, telling God's truth. Not all of us are eloquent. Not all of us have impressive vocabularies. Not everyone has a captivating personality. But I want you to know that if you've been saved, every last one of you have been given the ability to speak for Christ. All you do is share your testimony. Your testimony is really simple. Your life before you met Jesus and how you came to know him. Your life since you met Christ. Three things. Your life before you met Christ, how you came to know him, and you all came the same way. Circumstances may have been different that brought you there, but you came to a place where you repented of your sin. You told God, you know, I don't want to live this way anymore. I've changed my mind about this lifestyle. I'm a sinner separated from you, God, and I don't want to live this way anymore. So I turn from my sin and I come to you. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I believe he rose again. And Lord Jesus, right now, I give you my life with all I know how. Here's my life. I believe in you by faith. I trust you for eternity. And I want you to know that he saves you. And so when you tell people about being saved, don't say, well, I walked an aisle. Well, I can do that. I did that Friday all over town. <laughs> Literally not all over town, but I can walk an aisle at Walmart. So, so you, got, you don't use those churchy terms. Just share with somebody what Jesus has done for you. You know what? I used to not have any purpose in life. I didn't know where I was going. It was miserable. No peace. And then I realized what Jesus had done for me that he paid the price of my sin. I committed my life to Jesus. Since that time, I've had a peace in my heart. He's helped me. He never leaves me, forsakes me. I'm not perfect. I'm a work in progress. And then you just simply ask them, has anything like that ever happened to you? 
You see, you've been given the ability to utter and to talk and to speak. Now, that word also, that word speech is, is related to the presentation of Christian truth. Did you know a church that has a, a lot of teachers that have given teachers that can teach the truth is a rich church? It has nothing to do with money. Speaking about Christ... Another present blessing is our spiritual knowledge of Christ. All knowledge. The Greeks put a lot of emphasis on knowledge. Our world is into knowledge. And you have all the knowledge, a lot of knowledge at your fingertips now in your smartphones or smart devices. Our world is into knowledge. I like what Lawrence Peter said, though. He said, you make three correct guesses consecutively and you'll be established as an expert. <laughs> We're given everything we need to know to speak effectively for the Lord. The Lord has given us his revelation. The truth is here. The redemption is here. There's, sure, there are some questions we have about some other things. I mean, he didn't tell us a lot about heaven. He told us enough to keep us from wanting to go there all the time. I mean, I want to go, but the fact is, he didn't give us a lot of that. He didn't give us a lot of things about a lot of things, but he made it crystal clear about salvation and the revelation that he's given us. We have his word. We have his spirit to interpret it. And and Paul says, you'll come short in no gift, a present tense. The word gift is charismata, which means a grace gift. The blessings of speech and knowledge refer to presenting the gospel to the world. And there, then, and then later in Corinthians, he mentions other gifts that were used to build up the church. Every one of you been given a gift, at least one. A spiritual gift, not a, a natural ability, not a talent, but a spiritual gift that comes from the Holy Spirit to help you build up the body of Christ, to encourage other believers. So you see the blessings that have been provided and the blessings that are present, but look at the ones that have been promised. The blessings promised. Look at verse 7. Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to tell you something, folks. You're talking about some wonderful promises here. First of all, you have the promise of the second coming of Christ. We're eagerly waiting, eagerly awaiting, which means to wait with eager anticipation. The second coming of Christ is something that all of us are hanging on to as a promise. We're looking for that day. Some days more than others. I can remember a lot of times when I was studying for final exams, I was looking for the second coming of Christ. <laughs> Instead, he let me go through the tribulation. <laughs> The word revelation there, we're eagerly awaiting. Actually, the word eagerly awaiting means to wait with eager anticipation. It doesn't mean to sit passively by. It means that you're working and you're serving. You're, you're looking for it. It, it. Working while we're waiting and watching and hoping. And the word revelation refers to the, the unveiling, the manifestation of Jesus. His second coming is going to happen He's, this time, he's not going to be veiled in his humanity. He's going to be veiled in glory. 
Five things are going to happen at the second coming. There's a lot of details in these five things, but folks, when the Lord returns, Christ is going to be exalted. They're going to see him for who he is. We know who he is. Satan's going to be defeated. Justice will happen for all those who've been martyred in Christ. It means the death of those who've rejected Christ, the second death. And it means heaven for those of us who believe. What a promise. What a promise. Another, another blessing here that, that I don't want you to miss is in verse 8 is the steadfastness of Christians. The word, he said, who will also confirm you to the end. You're going to make it to the end if you're a child of God. You know why? Because he's hanging on to you. You don't hold on to Christ. He holds on to you. He's got a good grip on you too. In fact, I think Romans says that nothing can separate us from him. And if, there were, if I had, a, fa- if I had a, a favorite one here, it's this next one. It says that you may be found blameless, the spotlessness of Christians. If we're honest, there's a little bit of dread in standing before God. <laughs> Maybe there's a lot of dread. In fact, let me put it this way. If I could, if I could prove to you that God was standing in the gym, that Jesus was in the gym right now. Now, I'd love to see the look on people's face that just woke up and heard me say that. (laughs) But if I could prove to you that Jesus was standing in the gym, would you just want to run in there and see him? Or would you be a little nervous? Mm, You're thinking... Couple of things I need to get straight before I go in there. Right? Are, are we just being honest here? There's that guilt again. Because the word blameless here means you're unchargeable, no accusations can be made. Why? It's because we're perfect, sure. Every one of us in here is just perfect. We just wish everybody in the world was as good as we were. No. Because the moment that you repented of your sins, gave your life to Christ, God imputed to you, gave to you, covered you, cleansed you with the righteousness of Jesus so that when you stand before him, You're blameless. You and I can't do that on our own, but God did it for us. Janelle Adams lives in Washington State. She said, our son Jonathan asked Jesus to come into his heart when he was only five, which is pretty young. 
A few months later, as I was getting him ready for bed, he asked in all seriousness, Mom, what did I used to do when I was wicked? (laughs) No matter what we've done, it's been forgiven. It's been forgiven. But see, when the Holy Spirit lives in you, you don't want to continue to live in sin. The desire is to, to follow the Lord. There's two other things quickly. The steadiness of God. God is faithful. Actually, the order is reversed in the Greek for infinite emphasis. If you read it in the Greek New Testament, it says faithful is God. Faithful is God. God is faithful. God is steady. We are sure of his grace, past, present, and future, because God does not lie. And when he says he's going to do something, he makes a promise, he stands by it. It's one of the things, you know, we always said God can do everything. No, God can't do everything. God cannot lie because he's holy and righteous. And finally, you'll notice the sharing with Jesus Christ, the fellowship that we have. The word, the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word fellowship is the word koinonia. means partnership or oneness. You may have heard the word koine Greek, which was the common Greek of the marketplace. We've been called to common ground with the son of God. Why? We don't have anything. We were made in the likeness of God, but we sinned and separated ourselves from God. Why would God want to have common ground with us? Because he loved us. And how did he do that? Through Jesus Christ, who became one of us. We have common ground with him. We have fellowship with Jesus. One day, one day we're going to see him to touch him we have fellowship with Jesus you have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ aren't you blessed your circumstances may not be good maybe going through difficult time maybe you got some bad news from the doctor maybe you lost your job I, I know circumstances can be bad But even in the midst of those bad circumstances, these blessings have nothing to do with our circumstances. They have everything to do with God who's faithful. And if you don't know the Lord, you don't have to join our church to know Jesus. But you've got to turn from your sin. You've got to realize, you know what? I'm I'm separated from God because of my sin, but but I want... God, I want, to come, I want to come to you. I don't want to live this way anymore. That's called repentance. It's not just feeling sorry for your sin. It's feeling sorry enough to quit. And you come to him. Jesus died. Jesus lived a sinless life. And when he died on the cross, God put your sin, my sin, on him. The wages of sin is death. If somebody's going to pay that, they have to die. Jesus died. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again, defeating death. We've been singing about that all morning. And when you place your faith and trust in Christ, trust him. Two kinds of belief. 
If you went with me out here to the airport and I pointed at one of those airplanes and I said, do you believe that plane will fly? Every one of you in here would say, yeah, I believe it'll fly. Then I say, well, then let's go get on it and let's fly. Now, that's another kind of belief. <laughs> I believe it enough to I'll stake my life on it. Yeah. No, not if I'm the pilot. I'm talking about a regular pilot. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, a lot of people know about Jesus. They've just never committed their life to him. And you can do that today. If you're a child of God and you're not where you're supposed to be with the Lord, guess what? God, God hadn't given up on you. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What do you need to do? Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.